Welcome to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz, a candid conversation as we learn about types of dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, frontal temporal, and Lewy body, and the effects on the people we love. Jill's years of dedication and experience help you adapt, overcome obstacles, and find positive outcomes. It's time for Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Okay. How is everybody? I want to piggyback on what I was talking about last week about the perspective of the person with a diagnosis because I think this is a conversation that bears talking about. And I had a little bit more to say, so I wanted to, to revisit that this week, but in a, in a little bit of a different way. Like uh, today I want to talk about Feeling rejection from the person with the diagnosis. Sometimes family members, friends, coworkers, neighbors, whoever it is, um, seem to be put off by the person with the diagnosis and the way they interact with them. They think that they have a lack of interest in them or they are rejecting them. And you know, there's a good reason for that. We feel that rejection because, and, and we're offended because this is a person they've known for years right? And now they seem to be snubbing them. They're not interacting with them. They're not making eye contact. Um, they seem to be acting in a bizarre fashion. And at other moments, they seem like they're the friend and neighbor that they've always been. I need you all to understand that this is just a disease process. It's not intentional. It's not a desire to be apathetic or aloof or um, anything like that. And the more we can help that person that's losing their memory to focus on your conversation, to make eye contact with you, to, to touch them, to touch their arm, touch their hand, put your arm around them for a minute. All those things help them to focus. And it helps us to have a little bit of relief. If we were wondering at any time what, what we might have done to cause them to behave that way, to reject us, to be apathetic towards our feelings. And if and if you meet a person and they're struggling, don't remind them of the last time they behaved badly or reacted badly when you were with them. It, I, I see people do that all the time. They'll say, last time I was here, you yelled at me and blah, 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 blah. Uh, why don't we just try to keep it from happening again? Maybe that person is reacting because they don't feel like they fit in. 
they might they might think that they know what to do and they're trying to figure out what they're supposed to do but they're very aware that they're losing control and becoming indifferent becoming remotely um disconnected could be their way of dealing with the uncertainty of how they're supposed to act. And if you're visiting their house, even if it's familiar to you, they could be hearing or seeing things that aren't there. They could be thinking that people are talking about them. Maybe you are. Maybe you're whispering every time they leave the room. Maybe that's not unrealistic. Maybe that's not delusional. Sometimes they can't make sense of what you're saying, so they figure it out themselves. They try to figure out what, what you're saying on their own, and when that happens, all kinds of bad things can happen. So you really ought to think about that. Don't talk about the person around them or, or to them, to, about them while they're nearby. Don't do that because they could hear you. They could overhear you a room away and it'll make them feel bad. Other things that happen is when you're in their house, they put something away to hide it because they were afraid you'd see it like candy or money or what have you, and then they can't remember where they put it, so they think you took it. And the next time you see them, they think you're stealing all their money, They're your, that you're hiding their keys. Um, our job as their friend, as their care partner, is to try to calm that anxiety and address those feelings of fear and the sadness and try to figure out a way to alter the environment in some way or emotion so that you can help get them to an altered state of mind where they're not so suspicious. Don't tell them you didn't steal it Ask them if you can help look for it. People will, will do this often. They, they honestly think they are just trying to hide some type of, of object so that somebody doesn't take it, and then they forget. And then they call somebody else, and they'll say, Where are you? Someone's robbing me. I want you to do something about it right now. And if you say, this is the sixth time you called, I was with you earlier, that doesn't appease anything. It doesn't stop the anxiety. It doesn't make that person calm down in any way, shape, or form. And they'll probably say something to you like, before you get back, more things will be missing. Take a deep breath and say to yourself, the person I'm caring for really does believe somebody's stealing from them. I can't get to a place where I let my feelings get in the way 
of helping them. Denying that it happened or trying to reason with them isn't going to work. In fact, it's going to make it worse. So, you can say things like, uh, you know, they might freak out if you walk in the door and they ask how you got in. And you can say something like, I walked in, the door was unlocked. So they realize that uh, maybe they left the door unlocked. And they might say, it was not, it was the burglars. They left it open. They've taken my silver, they've taken my money, they've taken everything I own, they took my jewelry. It's, it's the third time I've been robbed. The police won't do anything. In the past, you probably called the police. You probably said, hey, my person has delusional thinking. Um, they think something's been stolen. But more than likely, you're going to find that missing object someplace in the house. What you can do is sit down with that person and make a list of all the missing objects they think they, they can't find. And if you can walk around and look and, and point them out and bring them back to the table. But while you're doing that, you can have a conversation to, with that person. Redirect them to how the weather is changing throughout the day. Um, how the city has changed. How traffic has gotten worse. Um, what are some of the fears of that person living alone? If they are scared of living alone, maybe you could put some alarms on the house to make it so they're safer. That way, um, you'll know if somebody walks into your house. Maybe suggest that they move to a safer place. They live in a different community. Um, that could get them to the point where if they really do need to move at some point, that might be what it takes to get them to move now. Maybe they'll like that idea better now than they did a month ago because now you're validating her feelings about not feeling safe because she's missing some objects. And even if you can find them, you're never going to convince her that somebody didn't come in and try and take them. So if you can validate their feelings, you are one step closer to being able to uh, possibly establish a better living situation for them, bringing in home care people, taking them to an assisted living. These are common, common problems that people have. Other things that, that happen, um, I really enjoy when people with Alzheimer's help other people with Alzheimer's. As an example, when they're more thoughtful towards another person and they can, they can commiserate, I, I'm having the same problem as well. 
support groups for people with the disease, I think, are really good. I have one. I host one. And I really love the way they give each other encouragement. They counsel each other. They, they if, the, if somebody stumbles on a, on a thought or a, a sentence or something, other people will, you know, try to help them. They'll, they'll say, don't worry about it. Um, I knew what you meant. They validate each other. I wish I could record it. I wish sometimes I could record it and let people see how people with the diagnosis are when they are with other people with the diagnosis, and they're not in the memory care yet. It is really, really amazing. And I've asked many times of the people that are in my support group to give me some insight of what it's like to have the disease. And they have just given me a wealth of knowledge. I mean a wealth of knowledge. And it blows my mind that they can be so thoughtful and sweet to one another when they feel like someone's listening to them and they have an outlet. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I'm going to share some of the thoughts that people have given me over the years about how they are compassionate with one another, how they feel like they're understood, and what other people can learn from their support group journey together. We'll be right back. Living and working with Alzheimer's and other dementias can often be challenging. Summit Resilience Training provides education, utilizing non-medical approaches for those who work with our friends affected by dementia. Believing families still need one-on-one assistance, we provide classes which help them understand the diseases affecting their loved ones, offering strategies and techniques for success with activities of daily living and working with confusing behaviors. We offer in-home assessments to clarify symptoms of dementia diseases and help families work together to find moments of joy while living with memory loss and impairment. Education programs instilling person-centered care philosophies are offered for professional caregivers working in communities and homes, which can be customized for their staff. Training is also available for first responders, such as law enforcement, fire, and EMT personnel. We are passionate that people with dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and others, are approached with compassion and understanding, and those who work with them have all the tools they need for success. Call us at Summit Resilience Training, 303-420-6988 to schedule a class or in-home assessment. Visit our website at summitresiliencetraining.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Okay, so I'm talking about people that have a diagnosis that sit in my support groups, and some of the things that they say to one another that I just, it really touches my heart. Like I've had people say, I don't know how to act. I don't know what to do. Sometimes I don't know what to say. This is all new to me. I've never been in this situation before. I don't know 
what to expect. I, I don't know what's right or what's wrong. I've had people say, this, this was just the other night, I can't function when there's noise. Even the sound of my own breath scares me sometimes. One person told me that they take their hearing aids out because they can't stand the sound of chewing amplified. I kind of know what that's like. So if your ears ever get plugged like they do when you're on a plane and you're chewing something, it sounds incredibly loud. sounds the same way when you have ear pods in. I think that's pretty crazy. Um, somebody said to me a month or two ago, I'm waiting for the next shoe to fall. I'm waiting for the next thing to go wrong, the next thing my family takes away from me, the next independent moment that I lose. That's kind of scary. When I'm, when I'm facilitating a support group for people with a diagnosis, I try to keep them positive, but uh, not always. If they start the conversation and they're a little bit negative, I let them have their pity party, but then I have to bring them back around. I have to ask, what are you going to do for yourself for the next 30 days? Uh, what kind of positive things are you still doing in your life? Because, boy, they can get down on themselves. I had somebody say to me, not only is my brain getting smaller, but so is my world. Uh, a woman that was in my group last month was very upset that her children had moved her, what she considered, too soon, to be too soon, um, from Evergreen. And I said, why didn't they move you into Life Care of Evergreen? The executive director there is wonderful. I know her. Um, you could have been there where you could have been around your friends. Your friends could come and take you to dinner and such. And... Um, she said, I don't know. And I said, well, were you not a part of, of choosing the place that you're currently in? And she said she was. But this happens all the time. This is, this is something that blows my mind. The place that she's currently in, which is far, far, far from her friends, so they're never going to come see her. The friends she lived around for 55 years are not even close to her now. Not even close. Way across town, right? And, you know, they probably chose the pretty, shiny, new building with the beautiful rooms and all of that where she might have been happier in a smaller community, uh, maybe an older community that doesn't look quite as pretty, but she could have gone out for lunch with her friends and stuff and, and had some kind of a life. I'm going to suggest to her that she move back to that area. I really am because I don't think she's happy right now. I see things like this all the time. Some other things I've heard, don't test me with questions. That doesn't make me feel better. It makes me feel sad. I think I'm guilty of that because as I'm assessing a person, I'm always asking them questions. I'm trying to figure out what they can remember. I'm trying to, to see what they still know about and can they have an intellectual conversation and so on and so forth. 
And um, I need to know that. And I try to stop when I see them getting, you know, within themselves or sad. Um, but it happens. Um, that particular woman that I told you moved from Evergreen, she said, I think my neighbors um, are fearful that I'm a mad woman, like I'm crazy. She said, I'm still here. There's parts of me that are missing. There's parts of my personality that are missing. But I'm still here. I still have a life. My kids moved me too soon. She was just sure of it. But one thing that she was really sure of is that parts of her life are still good. Parts of her as a person are still good. So I asked her, did you talk to your kids about moving? Did you, did you tell them how you felt? Did you give any input into wanting to stay in the Evergreen, Colorado area that you were in? And um, she said, I, I don't know. I think I did. And I said to her, if you never taught your children how to hear your pain, then you were way too busy telling them to listen to you. Okay? You you didn't you didn't get that part right. That's what you didn't get right. That's not a brain disease disease thing. That's an emotional instability. If you don't teach your children to hear your heart and your soul and your deepest needs and wants, you'll end up 50 miles from where you wanted to be with friends that never come see you anymore. I honestly think she'll be a lot happier if she just moved back to that evergreen area and lived in one of those homes in evergreen so her friends will come by and see her. Who cares if it's a building that's 100 years old and looks like a leave-it-to-beaver room? Who cares? If your family and friends are there and you, you are in an assisted living, not a memory care, and, but you have Alzheimer's, um, go to a place that has a continuum of care. The idea behind a support group to help people talk to one another and for me to talk to them and try to bring out the best of them is trying to design it to function at the most optimal level I can get and try to figure out what suggestions they would have to help other people in their situation live a more positive life, a more quality-filled life that still maintains their dignity. I asked him to give me some ideas, give me some tips on things. And uh, one person said, share your diagnosis with friends and family. It's far better, better to have them walk with you through the disease than to have them run away from you because they don't think you're losing your, because they think you're losing your mind. Or... You've had way too martinis at lunch. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. I had somebody say, cherish each moment. Don't waste a lot of time looking ahead or looking backwards. The, this moment is good only if you make it good. And a lot of little moments add up to a full day. Oh, I love that one. I thought that was so insightful, so beautiful. 
Somebody else said, know that some days or hours will be better than others. Even if today was not such a good day, tomorrow it still can be. Find humor. Find laughter whenever you can. Even if it means laughing at yourself, who cares? And if you have a peaceful environment, um, that is easier to function in than one uh, like with a TV or things going on all the time and lots of people running around and moving. Other things they said were tell people that love you that you can do almost anything if the steps are easy enough for you. I thought that was very positive. Um, have patience with your loved one. They're learning too. A pocket-sized notebook can help you remember appointments. Alexa can help you remember appointments. Keep it with you at all times so you can remember what you're doing throughout the day. Buy large clocks with big numbers. Um, it's really good if there are uh, black numbers on a white background or vice versa so that you can see it. You need contrast. When you go to a store... Tell storekeepers about your memory problems. I've got little cards that say, I have memory difficulties. Please be patient with me. Ask yes or no questions. You know, he, people will hand those to waiters, um, you know, people in the checkout line and stuff like that. Um, you know, let them know that you have to visit familiar places so that you already have people that know your condition and will be patient with you. And it's important to you to have somebody be kind to you in this time of your grief. And increase your support circle by reconnecting with a bunch of old friends and family members. Long-term memory remains intact for a long, long time, my friends. And family and friends can reinforce old memories, and talk to you about those days gone by. It will make things so much better. One of the best things I ever heard was somebody said, just take it one day at a time. Just one day at a time. And take every advantage to feel uplifted. Um, the lady that didn't want to move from Evergreen, she said, I, she was so shy and so quiet, I couldn't believe how other people in the group said to her, Good for you for joining some of the outings that they're doing and coming down and being a part of the dances and stuff like that. If you would have asked me, if I would have seen her in a crowd, if she would be the person that would get up and dance or go on an outing uh, somewhere to a candy factory or something, I would never have picked her. I would have picked somebody that looked way more outgoing. But she was saying, it matters to me. It matters to me. I need to I need to still have some fun because I'm mad at my kids because they moved me too soon. <laughs> she said that over and over. One of these days, I think I'm going to go over and get her, and I'm going to take her to uh, Evergreen for lunch, and we'll invite her friends. I might just do that for that lady because she really touched my heart. So if you think somebody is rejecting you and they're changing the way they react to you and you're feeling bad about it, walk in their shoes for a half a mile 
and see how scary it must be to not know what the next words out of your mouth should be or will be. And when you can't remember somebody's name or you can't remember how to order, you can't remember how to read, how would that make you feel? Stop thinking about yourself and try to think about them. And I think everybody will be a whole lot happier. All right, that's all I got. I'll see you next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. You've been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at summitresiliencetraining.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.